I am looking tonight for men, young and old, who care enough about this battle between good and evil to sign on and speak up. We are at war. And by Spartan law, we will stand and fight. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond now measure. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world. This is a life and death contest we're in, young men. And so I'm going to get in your face a little, nose to nose, just enough fire to singe your eyebrows a little, the way coaches do when the game is close and victory means everything. I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Come join the ranks. Come join the ranks. Join the ranks, we will. I love that intro. I'd love to hear from Elder Holland. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Eternal Warrior Podcast, helping young people in their quest of self-mastery, sharing their stories from the battlefront in the war against Satan and pornography. We That's are right. so, so lucky this week. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, you guys. <laughs> it's going to be... Prepare by themselves. Buckle up, as Craig Jack would say. <laughs> Before we launch in, we really just want to give thanks to the, the people that helped make this happen. We're so thankful to life-changing services as an organization and a partnering entity that gives Spence and I this platform to to connect with so many of you, to hear your stories and to help you help others in this war against Satan. We're so fortunate and so thankful for that. Yep. Um, if at any time during this or any of our other podcasts, you feel the need to to really reach out and get some more professional help, please come to lifechangingservices.org. Um, there's so many resources available to you there. Yep. Um, and you can reach out to us if you have questions for us or would like to share your story with us. We've, we've been getting a lot of feedback. Podcast at lifechangingservices.org. That's right. Nothing. And, and uh, please. official today oh. is the Instagram of the 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 young ones of, of the youth they oh, are they are upon the social media we're on the gram now we are now on the gram as okay the, as the What's kids our are handle? saying it is eternal warrior podcast so check us out and also you can direct message us like hit us up please with questions thoughts and like wes said please check out life-changing services if you feel like man i need to take my recovery to the next level let's do it like us give us reviews yep that all helps oh yeah everyone. itunes oh yep yes love it please all right. Well, let's do a quick uh, recap. Mm, Last take, week. Take me there. Last week, we talked with Marty, you guys, and Marty is such a BA, man. He's such a warrior. And he, uh, we talked, I mean, his story is powerful. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, please listen to it. 
Um, we, we talk specifically about efficiency, efficiency mechanisms and, uh, why it's so natural for our brains to take the path, uh, less traveled or most traveled. Most traveled. There it is. Least resistance. <laughs> That's what you're going for. There was the path of least resistance. That's what I'm talking about and how we have to change that. Right. And how, uh, how flagpoles and how other, other tools, border patrol, border patrol, making sure that we're weeding our garden. Yep. That we're weeding, that we're, uh, you know, remembering and that we can bring our brains back to our frontal lobe and that we can remember our, our values and why we fight. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. His story was powerful. He's so dope. All right. Now let's get us, let's get to today. Okay. Today, you guys, we are honored to be with Maurice Harker, the one, the only Maurice Harker, who is. Jeez. <laughs> He's the godfather of the, of the program. He is. He is the creator, founder, uh, beloved. Um, I'm just a guy from Idaho. Jeez. <laughs> Let's not overdo it, gentlemen. No, we seriously... Hey, don't downplay the 208, man. Seriously, though, we are so excited <laughs> to have him here. Maurice, welcome. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for being here. We really, um, while we have this opportunity, you know, to to thank you, I really do, um, you guys, like, this is one man's desire to help people and do good has led to my personal recovery from pornography and masturbation. Like, that is, I just am so humbled and excited to to pick this man's brain today and and for you guys to to be introduced to him i couldn't have said it better myself i i maurice is the he just we 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 pray before we we broadcast every or we we lay down on track every time and to hear the humility of of maurice and his understanding of being an influence and an instrument in the hands of the lord um is inspiring to hear how this is the Lord's work through us. And if we can be of any type of consequence or blessing to other people and the glory is all to God. And you'll hear that from Maurice tonight. Yeah, exactly. Um, but real quick before we, you know, let Maurice kind of tell his story just briefly, I wanted to, to read his bio, which is in his book, like dragons, did they fight? And if you have not read that yet, please, Oh, you have to, it's amazing. And this is, this is his book, like dragons, did they fight? Uh, I'm just going to read from this. Maurice completed his bachelor's program at the University of Utah, majoring in psychology and minoring in mathematics. As he was finishing his professional counseling master's degree program at the University of Utah, he took an internship uh, counseling position at Davis Counseling Center in Farmington, Utah. Upon graduation, he also started working as a counselor at LDS Family Services in Farmington, Utah. In May of 2005, Maurice opened the private counseling agency, Life Changing Services. In September of 2005, Sons of Helaman was created due to the influx of young men struggling with sexual addiction issues. The development and expansion of this program has been a major focus since then. In his ongoing private practice at Life Changing Services, Maurice specializes in marriage therapy, especially if sexual behaviors are part of the problem. He trains adult men to overcome sexual addictions. He works to help heal the wives of sexual addicts. He works with individuals fighting anxiety and depression issues. He also is a married man and uh, his his dear wife, Nanette. And uh, shortly after his graduation back in the day, um, that's when he got married, right? And then uh, is the father of two beautiful children. That's the man. That's the man. The myth, the legend. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so Maurice, Thank you I for mean, making that, me sound yeah. so cool. <laughs> no, but Maurice, I think um, just to start us off, I mean, I just kind of gave that bio, but I mean, how did this whole thing start? And just take us back to the beginning. How did you get into this? Well, I guess, you know, um, it started like in my developmental years. Like I'm one of nine boys, no girls. Wow. And so the culture of masculine psychology is what I was raised with. And of course, we had the old fashioned version of inappropriate material to run ourselves into back then. Yeah. And so... Um, as I transitioned um, into young adulthood and was trying to get relationships right, trying to uh, get my own life on track, it wasn't way off, but it was uh, my dating life has been described as the trail of tears. Oh. <laughs> wow. I think we can uh, relate to that. Wes. Yeah, we'll rival you that for sure. <laughs> and so, you know, I tried bitter, to bitter not tears. think it was me, but the common denominator was me. <laughs> God. <laughs> And so um, I had uh, been, I'd, I'd started to get a taste of my ability to use psychological skills with lack of skill um, in my ability to work with people. And it became clear that uh, I had a responsibility to learn how to interact with people correctly hmm. um, and to get myself in order. There was a sense of um, if you're going to serve people, make sure your own head is on straight. Yeah. And so most of what you'll find in the Like Dragons book was originally for me. Um, I studied uh, psychology very intensely. I've always been ambitious with trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. And willing to work hard, athletic background, music background, academic background. But I was um, a middle child from a Southeast Idaho family. And so my ambitions weren't too high. It was just, I just, I remember that story about the starfish thrower. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe I can just make a difference for one. Maybe I can just make a difference for two. So when life changing services started, my intention was just to spend my professional career being a starfish thrower. Yeah. Just to serve one person at a time. Um, one of the biggest surprises was the common story. Like everyone's saying the same thing. Everyone's hearing the same thing. Yeah. This isn't just me. And the, one of the biggest surprises was what goes on in my head is the same thing that's going on in other people's heads. Yeah. Um, I, um, I was excited um, to discover the influence of the Holy Ghost on human psychology. Mm. Like, you know, when I was studying all the elements, the, we have the environment, you have the education, you have the, is it nature or nurture kind of stuff? And right, yeah. But they're always skipping that whole spiritual influence thing. Like, okay, there's nature, there's nurture, but then there's the spirit you came with that impacts your psychology, and then there's the Holy Ghost. And then as I became more and more familiar with the experience of having unfortunate suggestions in my head, everything from punch your brother to throw your child down the stairs because he's difficult to live with, or, <laughs> and I'm going, that's a little extreme. That's a little, I don't know that... Doesn't sound right. And, yeah. you know, when people said you're talking to yourself, being a bit of a skeptic around some of the psychology, well, I don't think I talk to myself like that. And I'm pretty sure it's not the Holy Ghost. Mm. Right. So where's it coming from? And from where's like, it coming from? And, you know, we can't, you know, the whole cartoons with the devil on your shoulder thing. Right. So they were mocking the concept of satanic influence, but I couldn't find a different explanation for it because I kept finding it in scripture. Right. 
And I'm going... Interesting. So my question became, what's the scientific explanation for spiritual experiences? Wow. What is the scientific explanation for spiritual experiences and how does it affect the human mind? And then I heard phrases like the serpent was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. Of course, he's going to try to interact with you in a way that you can't tell it's him. Right. So if he can sneak in your head and mess with your head without you figuring it out. Right. In your own voice. Yeah. Without you recognizing who it is. And so I did lots of self experiments, like constantly recording my own cognitive processes and trying to label the voices like, okay, in that comment, who was that? And who was that? And who said that? And who said that? So one of the training tools I'll use with um, new clients um, and parents who want to train their own children is just start documenting, well, who said that? Who said that? And who said that? It's one of the fastest ways to teach people discernment. Interesting. Because when they start asking that question, they start to figure out who's talking in their head. Understand the sources of influences in their lives. Because one of the most common satanic tricks is to get you to attack yourself. Right. Why am I so stupid? Why did I have that idea? What is wrong with me? There's something, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And we can spend an entire session talking about what I call psychological civil war. Oh my gosh. The trick into having you fight against yourself. Season two. Seriously though. We (laughs) We can spend all day on that one. (laughs) To be continued. (laughs) um, But to lead into today's topic, um, the, um, the really disturbing thing. So I was, so I was... I started getting familiar with Satan's ability to talk. Would this have been the route about the time that you started life changing? I mean, when would yeah. you? So, about so 2005, right? I mean, this yeah, is so, to put some time frame. So on as that. I was finishing, let's see. Yeah, it was around 2005. Yeah. I was finishing graduate school and I'd been studying um, brain chemistry and the brain chemistry influence on the psychological process. And I'd learned that when you have surges of certain chemicals, it shifts the energy of your brain to move from frontal lobe to animal brain. Right. Like when you're threatened. Okay. Kind of like um, a fight or flight type yeah, scenario. So fight, okay. flight type stuff. And to resign myself that a certain element or certain degree of sexuality is a surge towards animal brain functioning. Absolutely. Especially if you come from a history of sexual addiction, the, one of the dangerous things we look for is how disconnected do you come, do you become from the person you're with when you tilt towards a sexual encounter? Mm. So I've had women go so far as to describe themselves as feeling like a blow-up doll when they're with their husbands. Oh, God. Okay, it's an unfortunate description of some other woman that I don't work with, but she said it on stage in one of those TED Talks that she felt like her husband was using her body to masturbate. Oh, and my so, gosh. So one of the ways we measure how bad an addiction is or how bad a sexual uh, dynamic is in a man's head is how disconnected does he become from his woman from his wife while having a physical Even encounter in with her. intercourse, huh? Wow. Yeah. Right. So more of an objectification, right? Yeah. That, that's it's no more longer recreational than communicative. Well, even that them. is going beyond like that's when the chemicals start to really take over the brain, it's almost like the chemicals of cigarettes. It's no longer recreational. It's just a chemical fix. Huh. Right. It's, it's not no even, even fun. Feeling with it anymore. Yeah, it's not There's even no fun. More, it's just oh. getting, it's independency or something. Or it's just getting like, the job done. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The, the incessant need. Yeah. Right. And any guy that's has, has had an addiction to pornography or masturbation will tell you that it gets to a point where it's not pleasurable anymore. Right. I can speak yeah, to that for sure. Absolutely. Here I am saying, Ugh. and like, I'm thinking like, those guys are creepers. 
Wait, wait a sec. Wait a minute. Oh boy, I'm one of those dudes. That's one of those mirror moments. Right? It is, but we're getting yeah. it fixed. I mean, yeah. a lot of. I mean, that's the thing. We're we're and, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so motivated to work with the youth is because we want them to fix it before they gain a wife, before right. they have a wife, so that they never have their wives have that experience degree of objectification experience because once a wife has had that once we got some work to do to clean up that mess because oh, her brain's now been damaged and we got some recovery so but that's not our main focus for today so i was i'm um, trying to find i was the the question was there's no way satan can get in your brain and actually tilt the buckets that cause chemical reaction hmm. he can't just move in there physically and just move your chemicals around so I was on my way home from school, one of my last month or two of graduate school, and I had this really delightfully educational experience of having a cop pull up behind me with his lights on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> delightful. <laughs> well, because it was one of the pivotal moments of my research. Oh, okay. So because I'm so nerdy, I'm always asking scientific questions about what's happening to my brain and my body. So he pulls up behind me. I have that normal experience of like panic and freaking out, et cetera, et cetera. Chemical spill. Yeah. Chemical spill. Yeah. And as I'm pulling to the side of the road, I just got so excited because, <laughs> and the cop, the cops all, I want to see this dash cam. This is what yeah. I want to yeah. see. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, there it is right there. And the, the play out of what was happening in my head is if there was a guy in the car with me from Central Africa who's never seen a cop in his life, would he have the same reaction I'm having? Not at all. Mm. No. Why? He, he's never he's never been pulled over before. He doesn't know that's it's bad. It's such a foreign experience. He's not he has accustomed no, to it. He yeah. has no data bank of what the experience actually means. Mm. And so... I'm having a chemical reaction not based on the cop, but based on the meaning of the cop or the idea of the cop. Okay. And wow. so certain thoughts can cause chemical reactions in the brain. Okay. It's just a thought that caused the chemical. It wasn't the cop. It was the thought about the cop that caused the chemical reaction. Yes. Wow. So what if Satan figured that out and he identifies certain thoughts that will cause chemical reactions in the brain? Like, oh, you are so lazy. Yeah. You are awful. Gosh, or, why can't you... F- you're never going to have enough money to pay your taxes. Oh, man. And you're like, oh! Okay. Chemical spill. Now, yeah. I, I oh, tell... Oh, boy, not the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you ever had one of those buddies in high school that, like, you're sitting there, you're, you're walking to math class, and he's all, dude, you ready for the test? And you're like, oh! He's all... <laughs> There's no test. <laughs> yeah. That guy. I was that buddy. Wes was that was guy, that. dude. You now, the test. <laughs> why is that funny? Because then it freaks him out, right? Well, that chemical spill caused right? a chemical reaction that was unnecessary. Right. Right. Huh. And that's funny. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. If there was no chemical reaction, it's not funny. Right. So a demon likes to be funny like that. Oh, man. Let's cause a chemical reaction that's not necessarily based on the truth. Wow. Just to mess with someone's head. That was hilarious. Isn't that funny? <sighs> that is... Um, really, I've never had it explained that way before. That is fascinating. But that makes perfect sense. It does. And so if mm. I need a man to be dumb enough to consider a severe misbehavior that's going to damage his family, I need him out of balance. Chemically. Chemically. Which, when you're chemically out of balance, it makes your cognitive process less accurate. Right. We use the term stoned 
yeah or drunk if you will yeah because you're no longer making decisions <laughs> yeah no you're not making decisions based off of value now you're making in that midbrain you're now starting to make decisions based off of those chemicals right and those feelings those and your ability to recognize whether or not you're thinking clearly is also distorted right the same way it is for an alcoholic who thinks he can drive home mm. We think that we can continue thinking logically even though we're stoned, so we continue to have the same thought process thinking we're going to have a brilliant idea. What with a smart man here, Spencer? Dude, we are. This is amazing, man. If you're you're only studying it, it's fascinating, but if you're experiencing it, it's scary. It's It's like no other. Yes. Okay. Like I'll tell a story. Like let's, let's talk about the freedom of choice for a second, and I get into arguments with people. Yeah. So... Back in the day, before I became a therapist, I was in foster care, and we had a young woman who was coming of age and was starting to get more independent, and uh, she was dating a guy that was pretty rough on the edges, and she was in process of trying to break up with him. So she just like, okay, we're done. Well, to show his love for her, he got himself completely drunk, because that's what you do. It's a good start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show you how sad I am. So he got himself completely drunk, and then he wanted to show her how drunk he was and how much he'd been hurt. So he decided to drive over to her house. No. Nope. Yeah, I can okay. see where this is going. On the way there, he ran over some children. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. They put him in a jail cell, and he woke up the next day and complained about his pillow not being soft enough. All right? When did he choose to run over the children? Huh. Can you, do you know the answer to that? I don't think homie... I mean, in that, in that story... Homie never cognitively makes the decision of, yeah, I'm going to swerve right here, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out these yeah. children. What people don't understand is the choice of using pornography falls in the cognitive process stage the same as running over the children. The opportunity to make a decision is already gone. Wow. There is no decision to look at pornography. The brain was too stoned to make the decision many minutes ago and so how do you keep from running over children in this story you gotta stop it early yeah stop it before it happens you can't take the first drink in the first place right and so what we have to train men to do is to have their alarm system early enough on the chemical scale to recognize that their brain is sipping yep on something that's going to make them so distorted they're going to end up what they now call making bad choices, but it's not really making a bad choice. It's just slipping down the scale to the point where behavior is no longer under your control. And so choice is up in the one to two level on the chemical scale, not at the five and six. Right. Which we have talked about. So for you listeners, if you, if that isn't familiar, that's Holden's episode. Yeah. Go back to Holden's episode. Cause we, we do mention that Maurice, we talk about the the chemical scale and we have to catch it early. We have like ones and twos, right? Mm-hmm. It's and the threes and fours and your brain, you're really, you're not making any choices anymore, right? I mean, I don't think I'm alone in saying this. I've felt that, you know, like oh yeah, any, I don't want to look at porn. I don't want to masturbate. That's not in line with my value system. Right. But in the battles that I've lost, it's, I'm on autopilot. It's, I'm not living intentionally. I'm not making those decisions. I'm. I've lost the ability to make any decision. Right. And I know that's so hard for some people outside of the addiction to comprehend, but that's just my addiction. Think about other people's lifestyles of, 
I don't know. Maybe you have a hard time spending with your spending habits, could things be anything, like that. It's, yeah, right? it could be anger. It yeah. could be any behavior right. that's contrary to your value system will follow the same pattern. Wow. Which really, once again, Maurice, when we've mentioned this in a few episodes, but man, this is so much deeper than pornography. Oh yeah, it's way beyond that. It's way beyond that, you guys, listeners. Like this is your life. This so let's talk with, about yeah. the solution. Yes. Take so when you study the chemical scale closely, and I hope in the book, Like Dragons Do They Fight, we've given enough detail to this. And I tried to add more pages on it in the most recent edition, the 2017 edition. But um, if you look at the stages, so level five, we call the behavioral stage, meaning this is when you actually do something. Your body actually starts to do something, like you move the mouse. Yep. You leave the room, whatever. You start to go towards it. So if you look at the history of psychology, it also follows the same pattern because the first thing they paid attention to is behavior. Yeah. Then they started noticing that there's a conversation in your head before you behave. The irrational conversation. The irrational conversation. So um, the scientists, if you look at the history of psychology, the next thing they started studying a lot of was the internal conversation. So that's the next phase of psychology. Then they started to discover that there's the beginning of the conversation. Something has to start the conversation in the head. That's the level three in our topics. Right. So when I'm talking to women, it's kind of funny to use the joke. I says, you do know that men do not always think about sex. (laughs) There are times when we're not. And I've had someone go, really? <laughs> and so there's that sliver of the pie chart that's reserved for sports, pie chart. sliver, sports, sports and like guns. grilling meat and yeah. guns. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Lots of lots mm. of red meat. And so when I suggest to them that something actually starts the conversation, like even with the other issues like anger, like right. I wasn't angry, I wasn't angry, I wasn't angry. And then the idea, if you beat the child, it could make things better. The dude, oh, it's dude. Huh. and you're going, huh? I wasn't thinking about that a few seconds ago, but now the same thing with some of the women issues or stereotypical ones like chocolate would solve the problem. Mm. Or like if you had a new dress, that would solve the problem. Or what if I, I mean, I was just in a yoga class the other day. Yoga. Really manly. That's Good the idea. other, the sliver of the pie, right? Yeah. A lot of guys do yoga. Hey, you know anyway. what? Different pies. <laughs> different pies. So different I was folks. overhearing on accident. I'm really, I feel bad that I heard this, but the instructor was talking about her breast enhancement. Oh, that'll fix it. Right. That'll fix, that'll fix your problems. Great idea. Right. So you think there's definitely a, that dude moment of, oh, what if I, what if I was better looking or more attractive? Mm. That would, that would fix my problem. Then the irrational conversation, then you act on it. So when I was coming of age and entering the adult world, the level three was the most commonly talked about issue. Watch your thoughts, watch your thoughts, watch for when your thought turns in that direction. Right. Okay. In the last decade, the scientists have done a pretty decent job of looking at the level twos, which are the emotions that set your brain up for the level three. Okay. Right. So they have things like blast, bored, lazy, something angry, sad, tired, something like that. So they have lots of cool things that keep us introduced to the idea you should at least consider your emotions. But when I started looking more closely at the brains shifting, our brains are very much, it's the most fascinating uh, device that can be both electrical and has uh, moisture and electricity in the same place. It should be short-circuiting all the time. but Which maybe mine is, actually. (laughs) You're like that bat on Fern Gully. (laughs) (laughs) 
So mixing chemicals. <laughs> God, Marie, sorry, that was- <laughs> that's that's funny. Mixing chemicals with electricity, and so we would not feel anything if it wasn't for chemistry. Right. Okay. Because thoughts don't have feelings in and of themselves. The feelings and thoughts are separate from each other. And if you don't have chemical shifts, you're not going to have emotional shifts. Hmm. And so once we started studying, okay, how are chemicals involved? And I have people saying, well, what's the name of those chemicals? I don't spend any time on that because the microscopic shifts of a little more of this one and a little less of that one. Right. Well, what, what exact chemicals are a part of being angry? Like, what exact chemicals are part of What's the recipe for sadness? What's the recipe for yeah. contentment? Yeah, that's interesting. And because I work with the layman, they need to be more aware of the sensation as opposed to the name of the chemicals. Right. So right. I train my clients to be aware of the sensation of chemical shifts, not the names of chemical shifts. Right. And just feeling off. Right. That's how Which I felt. Which is level it. one. Yeah. Right. The level I just, off. Feel, I just don't. I don't feel quite right. So when we tell the story about the military strategy of, and if we modernize it, so I'm going to let you read about it in the book, but there's another version I've used lately. So if you're an athlete, I like the sport of soccer. Okay? And we are. We, we are athletes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, are we ever? Oh, man. Right, Wes? Go, go on, Maurice. If you have an <laughs> opponent who's sick of losing to you, Okay, they're just for me, but yeah, right, yeah, yeah, I'm sick of that. So we're sick of losing you. You know, we would never consider that part of their strategy would to be put some kind of a cognitive distorter in your Gatorade jugs. Hmm. Yeah, okay? I have not considered that. So when we're thinking about how to, you know, beat our opponent, we don't think, all right, now we do need to watch for when they try to contaminate our replenishing system. <laughs> Okay. Right, we're, we're worried about bugs and, and watching our practices and things yeah, like we're that. Worried, huh? Yeah, we're worried about, you know, um, strategy <laughs> that involves athletic performance. Right. Okay. So what kind of opponent is willing to cheat enough to mess with your biology instead of just using technique? Okay. Now imagine a bunch of soccer players or something like that. and That's they're just, Olympic proportions. Yeah. So imagine as a bunch of athletes and everyone's sipping on these Gatorades or whatever, and halfway through the game, you start to get more lethargic and more clumsy. Now, when you see your fellow teammates doing that, what's the common response to your teammates? What's wrong with you? Dude, dude, pull your head out. Come on! Pull your head out. Get a grip, dude. And now you start to stumble with your play. You're like, what's wrong? What's What's wrong with me? What's wrong What's wrong with me? So the brain does the same thing when the chemicals start to get distorted. We start yelling at the other parts of the brain and myself. And what does that do to the camaraderie in your mental team? It's over. Okay. Now, pretend we're halfway through the second half and one of your nerdy teammates or one of your nerdy like water boys actually sticks some kind of a tester in the Gatorade and goes... the pH of the Gatorade. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he goes, um, this has been messed with, you guys. That guy that's always checking the Gatorades. We're so I know. grateful for him. There's yeah. always someone who's Ted. checking the Gatorade. Ted. Yeah. And then he Ted tracks Ted. it back and finds out for some NCIS way, CSI, <laughs> and finds out it's the other team that did it. Huh. Okay. So how do you feel after spending three-fourths of the game being mad at your own teammates, and then you find out it never was one of your team, it was the other team? I'm, I'm pissed, dude. I'm fired up. Well, it's embarrassing for one, right? Okay. Like you're mm-hmm. like, well, why did I, and how could we be so dumb? Like we know we're better than what we just put out there. And yet here we are, we're still susceptible. We still 
but we didn't we didn't know it either. So like, right? I'm thinking about like in a very real sense, what would I be doing right there? Mm-hmm. I'd be trying to place blame, and God, I'd be mad. I yeah. mean, you're just oh, and, and if you knew the other team did it, I mean. You're like, really? Yeah. You, you can't play me straight up? Come on, man. Yeah, like, dude, you have to cheat to beat me. You like, this is dope crap. my Gatorade. Yeah, you have to dope my Gatorade to beat me. Now, this yeah. is one of the most important things that I've taught individuals and couples. It's really exciting when a couple understands this concept. Because if you find out that both the husband and the wife have had their Gatorade messed with, and now they're blaming each other, getting on each other's cases. Oh, man. Especially like when I'm talking to a wife and she's promised herself all week that she's not going to become an unpleasant nag. And then she finds herself raising her voice at her husband and she's, we don't need the husband to point out that that's un- unfortunate. She herself will say, I'm so embarrassed, Maurice, I did it again. Yep. Okay. And then the guy who promised himself he wouldn't become distant and withdrawn I promise I'm going to stay engaged with her. I'm going to stay engaged with her. But his flight mechanism starts kicking in and he doesn't even know why. So I see this all the time in marriage dynamics. So they start fighting each other, right? Yep. They, they think the other person's the problem. Yep. Well, if, well, the civil the war. Key, the key element, and you you touched on this earlier, Maurice, I think our, our culture, our Latter-day Saint culture, we've almost turned Satan into this boogeyman figure instead of a very real and very influential character in our in the drama of mortality mm-hmm. who is and that, the, yeah keep going sorry. like like that we're not we're not placing blame appropriately to where it needs to that like if you were i, I know couples that are are having uh challenges that if you were to introduce to them like no satan is is at play here he's drugging your gatorade per se mm. they would be like it, it almost wouldn't register right you know and t- tell us about that when you're counseling couples like this how do you Make it more of a real experience to them. You do and have to. You know, you'd have to walk up to it carefully, and and we'll we'll try to tilt the back conversation back to warrior chemistry and why that matters. Right. But um, um, I have to walk them through their own value system, their own understanding. Going, okay, you do believe that Satan can get involved, but maybe you don't know exactly how he gets involved. Mm. And so I really I use the, both the tone of voice and the perspective of a scientific approach to it instead of a religious approach. Mm. And so I go, what is the science of Satan messing with your head? Mm. And that way people start to approach it differently. Instead of looking for a boogeyman, they're looking for the scientific application of the concept, which speeds up the process much faster. Interesting. And to get couples to start announcing, let's, okay, we're both getting a little weird right now. Let's both look for the third person in the room. Let's both see how he's influenced. So it's like doing a Q5 right in the middle of a conversation before it goes bad. It's really neat to watch couples do it right. They're oh, so cool. Man. That's, that's awesome. Especially when they have the sensation of catching him and beating him before he beats them. The camaraderie they feel when they beat him, they're always making out after that part. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, we got him. Yeah, let's celebrate. <laughs> let's make it <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. I was, I was going to say with that, though, real quick, I mean, and, and I can see the camaraderie there because literally it's like that soccer team that figures that out and says, Dudes, we got this. Let's punish them. Let's mess punish the, this sucker. Like, I seriously, I, I started, I mean, when Wes was talking just a second ago, I really started thinking about this, this Satan that we talk about and how real he is, how willing he is to do whatever it takes to destroy us. Yeah. And He's cheat. not playing by any rules. He doesn't care. 
So he's going to go to whatever extreme he can to literally destroy us and tear us from our families and tear us from what we actually love. He's mean. He's a mean sucker, dude. I try not to swear, but that's the most common way to describe him accurately is with strong language because <laughs> he's that mean. Seriously, though, right? So now this is when we start talking about warrior chemistry, right? I've never really, I don't know, I guess I've never really put that together that it really is the this combative feeling towards Satan. Would you say, I mean, what would you describe and where did it, where did warrior chemistry come from and what would you describe sure. it as? So first we have to talk about a little bit of science before we talk about what it feels like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so let's say that you discovered there's something in your Gatorade and you had that anger feeling, but why is that not enough to make you skilled? You have the desire to beat your opponent, hmm. but there's still something wrong. Okay. Because there's been a chemical experience in your head that is biologically distorting your process, if you don't have an antidote, then you're going to have ferocity without clarity. And you know what a bunch of soldier athletes, it's in fact, with some opponents we have in the athletic world, trying to get them hyper intense so that it messes up their performance. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. You have like your, your agitators, like look at... Draymond Green in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. These guys. Draymond are, Green is a perfect throw example. Throw people off their games. Just yeah. throwing people off their cams, yeah. and so then they they start. They're not playing their game anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. They maybe start playing harder, but they're not. So that's one of the most important things when you're discussing what warrior chemistry is. Warrior chemistry is not getting so intense that you lose your focus. Interesting. Okay. Warrior chemistry, when it's accurately used, so so what warrior chemistry is is it's the antidote. Okay, it's the antidote for what the opponent is using on us. Because the sensations we can usually find when we're stoned is demoralization, frustration, overwhelm, boredom, yep. all the slithery, Apathy. all the gooey, all the gross sensations, whether it's tension, it's just the you're twisted up. Yep. When I uh, think of how fun it would be with my skills to be a professional catcher in baseball. <laughs> okay. I would be, I would research every one of the opponents and find out things about their personal life that were not generic. Oh yeah. You'd be Hamilton Porter from the Sandlot. Hamilton Porter. Yeah. That's right. You play hey. ball like a girl, yeah. right? You're that'd be more personal than that. I would right? be way more personal and I would try to get in their head <laughs> because the goal is to get them out of what athletes call the zone. Right. And my favorite symbol of that is Michael Jordan. Okay. His ability to become ferociously intense, but look and be peaceful at the same time. That cool, calm, clear headedness. And as I've talked to athletes, what's the scariest thing you can see across from you in your sport? A person who's got that look in their eye that they're completely calm. It's not the person who's yelling and screaming and pounding their chest. No, true warrior chemistry is very quiet. Okay, it's the guy you know is going to tear your limbs off and no matter what you do, because he's intense, focused, practiced, trained. Because true warrior chemistry isn't just an energy. It's an energy that's been used for weeks and months in practice. Right. Okay. It's been used month after month after month. So I was a wrestler and there was a kid that I came against up against who had taken state ever since he was a freshman from Skyline, Idaho, and he didn't accidentally become good. Okay. He was more dedicated to the sport than I was. And when you hear stories about him and any athlete that you hear stories about, 
That's what they've been doing. Um, I was I heard a, a thing about Steph Curry. Okay, the guy is intense at his practices. Every one of the most intense athletes, the most amazing athletes, are intense more during practice than they are on the field. And so when you try to mess them up, they're so in tune with their intensity. So lots of people try to simplify warrior chemistry into this intense attitude you have when you show up for the battle. That's way oversimplified. It's way more. So and then they'll say, so that's adrenaline, right? And I'll stop trying to simplify it. Right. Okay. And so when we tell the story, because the, 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 the reason we call it warrior chemistry instead of athletic chemistry, okay, <laughs> is because there is a certain level of intensity that is maximizes your performance in sports. But something changes, and I pray that I'm never in the situation where it's not about who has the most points, but if you lose, you're dead and your favorite woman is being sexually assaulted. The Book of Mormon is one of the most amazing educators, and I enjoyed reading it with my son. I have two children, a son and then a daughter. My son loved, and I enjoyed reading the war chapters to him. But reading them to my daughter was a whole different experience. It's like, okay, chopping off arms, running swords, scalping people. <laughs> right. And I'm all like, I don't think this is fun to teach this to my daughter. I'm like, scaring the living daylights out of her. Yeah. But that was, um, she was young before I got solid in my profession. Um, but over time, learning that if I don't have the same sensation that would be required for me to run a sword through another human being to keep them from <clears throat> assaulting my loved ones, I'm not feeling warrior chemistry yet. I'm not having a correct amount of intensity. And yes, I'll hear this from new guys like, don't you think that's a little over the top? And I'm all, I have no problem empathizing with your desire to not go to war. I would not want to go to war. Right. I would not want to run my sword through other people. I imagine myself with Captain Rone coming around and bringing people into the, into the war. And I'm all, I am really good at behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I can supply you with stuff. I can do motivational uh, presentations for the warriors. Yeah. You'll check the water, make sure it's not yeah. Make sure there's nothing in the water. You're that, you're that guy. But yeah. don't ask me, because when I think about what that must have felt like to actually swing a weapon at another human being with the intent to kill them, how angry or scared would I have to be knowing if I don't, then my friends are dead. If I don't get enough ferocity and if I get too much ferocity and I become like blindfolded sword swinger, right. I'm dead again. So when I think about training the, the men I work with, both in Sons of Helium and Moroni, I'm always thinking about what is the best state of mind for them to be in as they go up against someone using swords. Right. What is the correct level of intensity? What is the correct level of skill they need to have? How many drills do I need to do with them right now so they don't die on their day one of the battlefield? I think that's what I, when you were talking, Maurice, that's what stuck out is, or, well, two things. First of all, that, yeah, we'd rather not go to war, right? We have no choice. It comes to war us. War is upon us. War yeah. is upon, like, we have no choice. So if you're listening to this podcast, you have, you can't avoid it. It's right? coming to it, us. Right. It, we, are, we are literally in the midst of a battle for our very souls and for those that we love. Right. And, so and that's the first thing that well, stuck out Satan to me. Satan declared that war, right? Yes. Like we find ourselves in the crosshairs of that, even if we don't want anything to do with it. We've shared our stories when we were first exposed to yeah. and kidnapped into pornography, exposure and, and addiction at a 
in our infancy, right? Yes. And so it was a choice that we never really consciously had a chance to make. That's not to excuse our, our behavior and the things that we've, we've done and we've experienced, but to know that, you know, the odds stacked against us from the jump, basically we didn't choose this war, but we find ourselves in it. Yep. You know, and I think the other thing real quick, Maurice, I mean, oh, keep this coming though. This is so, I love this so much, but the one thing I, that really stuck out is how many times do I have to drill? How many times do I have to practice that experience so that when I'm in the battlefield, I'm not thinking, man, I'm clear, I'm focused and I'm freaking fired up to chop someone's head off. Right. And that's the point I have to get to. And I have to be so, so trained and so ready and so specific that it's that that warrior chemistry, like you said, like great athletes, they train harder than they would in, even in the game. Right. And that's, it's, it's, it's necessary. Right. We have to be trained. We have to be skilled warriors to win this battle. Now, let's make sure we clarify for a lot of the people who I work with are confused because they can be taught about like 12 steps and ARP and Christ and at the atonement. Um, let's again refer to the sons of Helaman and all the warriors of the Book of Mormon. They trained as if the war was all up to them, but they prayed as if the war was all up to God. And so we're not teaching people to fight this war without God. Wow. We're not teaching them that they're going to just fight and fight and fight, and it's just them and by themselves. White knuckling. So, so when I think about Captain Roni and his lifestyle with his soldiers and um, Helaman and his lifestyle with the sons of Helaman, I do not doubt that they prayed before every training session. I do not doubt that they prayed after their training sessions. I do not doubt that they prayed before they went to war. But I don't see an image of them just not fighting with skill and not fighting with ferocity and not fighting with precision just because they're waiting for God to win the war for them. And so much of the science that I was exposed to before I started my work had a very, um, like, uh, just give yourself to God and let him fight the war for you sensation. You know, just turn your life over to him. Um, as a, like a soldier, you do have to turn yourself over to the training like you would in a boot camp. Yeah. You have to give yourself to it heart, might, mind, and strength in order to be appropriately prepared and be willing to do the work it takes but it's not just going to boot camp praying and waiting for someone else to protect you. The Book of Mormon is a representation of doing the work it takes to fight for your own family and yourself and your wars as you stay connected to God, not instead of, okay, and not just using a connection to God to fight your battles for you. And so we are told all things are created both temporal and spiritual. Yeah. Life-changing services were not a religion. We aren't going to be responsible for your connection with God. We're going to refer to it, but we are the temporal trainers. That's what we specialize in. We train you to, to do the boot camp side of it. We rely on you. We refer to it, and we encourage the spiritual connection. But that's not our responsibility. 
Okay. When I introduce myself to large group presentations, I'll remind people, I am not your stake president. I am not your bishop. I'm not going to teach you how to have family home evening. I'm not going to teach you how to go to the temple. My job is to sit on the edge of the Lamanite city and listen to their techniques and be a scout for you and come back to you and say, this is what the enemy is going to be doing to you. This is their plan to destroy you, and I'm going to train you on how to beat them. I am a psychological warfare trainer. I am not your spiritual leader. So let's make sure that I'm not even going to try to replace your bishop. Okay? Right. So when people say, you know, you're trying to replace religion, no. No, 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 no. I will keep telling you to go back to prophets. I'll keep telling you to pray, but you're not praying to me. That's not, <laughs> no, I am your boot camp instructor. That's yep. my job. I'm your general. I'll, I'm, I'm your, your military general. leader. Yeah, I'm your military, I'm your military leader. Yep. The other thing I wanted to talk about, um, one of the most popular, important concepts that was also meaningful when I was first coming into my practice um, was a thing called paradigm shifts. Okay. If you don't know what a paradigm shift is, there's others names for it, like insight, inspiration, or um, aha moments. Yeah. And so quite often people hope that an aha moment or a paradigm shift is adequate. I see this all the time with new clients. They're looking for that moment and they go, oh, I get it now. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I've now succeeded in therapy because I've had an insight. I've now figured it out. I've got mm-hmm. it figured out. I'm done now. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. And because those insights are so delightful and they're so powerful, it often feels like that's what you were here for. And I'm all, that's fine. Okay, you can have your insight, but let's think about being a, a, a serious athlete. Have you ever been watching someone who's better than you at your sport? And then you have one of those moments like, oh, that's how you do that. You know, I think of like playing the low post or something like that in basketball and you finally learn how to switch your hips just right and your elbows are in the right spot so you can dominate your opponent. Oh, that's how it's done. Okay. And then now you can do it, right? Nope. <laughs> no. You got to practice that crap. So one of the biggest mistakes people have when they're trying to recover from addiction or any psychological change is they rely on the paradigm shift to be the change maker. You have to have a paradigm shift, but then you have to do the work. You have to practice it and practice and practice and practice. And I keep referring back to sports because that gives us the number of times you have to practice. Right. And I've seen clinic guys say, yeah, I practiced that like four times. Mm. And I'm like, and you expect to be a natural at it already after four times of practice? Well, you're not serious about practicing like an athlete, right? Because <laughs> I'm a musician. Okay, and how is that different? Right. How many times do you have to play an, a song before you can play it without the music? Over and over and over you again. Better not be chatting to one of them savant kids that can. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. with warrior chemistry, <laughs> warrior chemistry is also not something you can gain just by having a paradigm shift. Yeah. You can understand it, but you still have to practice it, and you still have to practice it. And if you want to get good at it, you practice it with a coach who can give you feedback. And we men, we love feedback. Oh, absolutely. Mm, I know I do. It's, it's my favorite. <laughs> I hate it so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, we always ask for it. We're like yeah. readily, hey. Tell me what you think. Yeah, give me. Give, was what that am I good? Doing wrong? No, be, yeah. be candid. <laughs> Tell <laughs> me the what, truth. And I think that's what I was going to, I think the last question I would have for you then, Maurice, is how do we, If I mean, what would you recommend for those that are in addiction? 
how do you access that? Or how do you practice it? How do you access warrior chemistry when it's maybe not natural? Maybe, maybe we've had the aha moment. Maybe we haven't. What would you recommend? So first of all, you have to decide how serious you are about learning it. Okay. So like, uh, if you want to learn to play the violin yeah. and you go, well, I'm going to get a few YouTube videos out and read a book about it. You can probably be okay. I mean, I don't know if you'll ever be good enough to be heard in public, okay? <laughs> but maybe you're going to be satisfied that with it. If you want to be really, really good at it, you start paying money for someone to train you. Wow. Okay? Mm. And so my first answer to that question is how bad do you want to get good at it? <sighs> okay? So if you want to be kind of, well, I want to kind of sort of occasionally win my psychological sexual battles. So, you know, and I f invite you if you're married to share that with your wife. Like sometimes I want to win. Yeah. As long as it doesn't take too much effort. Holy so, smokes. I, I don't yeah. think anybody like really admits that. Would but openly that, admit that, but that's the case. Admit that, but that's where you're thinking, right? You're like, I don't know if I could do that. Or, it's going to take a lot of effort yeah. and time and energy. Like, and I don't need that, right? Like that's maybe for someone with a more intense case than and me. And if you think about, I you know, you guys tell me that Marty taught about the efficiency mechanism. We men like, okay, Maurice, what's the least amount of effort I have to put into <laughs> learning how to have sexual <laughs> self-mastery? And I'm all, that's awesome. Wrong question. Mm -hmm. It's Wrong fine, guy. but you know, just make sure you don't have a woman in your life while you're thinking that way. Okay, right. babe, I don't want to control it. Right. Or at least I don't want to work hard to be good at controlling it. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. So look at how good you want to be at it and then decide how much to invest. There's a lot of skilled people out there, but I don't know if it's arrogant or just a fact. We are the best at training people how to have sexual self-mastery. The men of Moroni, sons of Helaman, personal warrior trainers. We have an entire training system of various. Yes, I've built the system so that if you really want to spend the least amount of money, we can do it for 20 bucks a week and you can be trained to maybe kind of sort of be decent at it. Right. Okay. Now, you probably don't want to go the top level, which is one-on-one -on -one sessions with Maurice, the most expensive way. <laughs> Because it's not cheap to meet with me, and you this might. This is a one-on-two session. This right is a one-on-two session yeah. here. Okay, so there, and we've got all sorts of stuff in between. We can do like sixty bucks a week. We can do thirty bucks a week. We can do fifty bucks a week. We can do all sorts of things. Or to visit with me, it's way more than that. I'm fine taking your money, but there's cheaper ways to do it. Right. Okay, so. First, you have to decide how much you're willing to be trained. Then we train you through it. You try it, and then we review your method, and then we do it again. And so I think what you're wanting me to walk through is like one of the scenarios that we will often use. Yeah. And so this scenario I came up with because it shows you how fast your brain can shift. All right? So in my scenario, which you'll find in the Like Dragons book... Um, um, and it refers to a man who's married and he's had a long week at work and it's Friday morning and his wife calls him because things have been going decently well. And she says, I like you. <laughs> and he's pumped. He's yeah. like, cool. <laughs> that changes my entire day. She says, I like you a lot. And he's all, that's even better. She says, I like you enough to have arranged for babysitters to take our children away today and have a stay-at-home date night with you. And he's all like, cool. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, you should already be having a chemical reaction to the story. 
Right. Like, I want to be that guy. That would be awesome. That'd be uh-huh. sweet. Now, of course, he stays at work the entire... No, 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 no. He finds a way to clock out early. Right. Boss. <coughs> yeah. Not feeling well. <laughs> Gotta get home. Okay? Need to rest. Okay? So he's got extra time, so he stops and picks up some takeout food. He stops and picks up some flowers. Suave. Oh, okay. yeah. He's got still moves. good. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Sends her a message. Hey, I'm coming home early because I want to make your night pleasant. Putting okay. on that Harker charm. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Tries not to squeal the tires as he pulls up to the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Tries not to prance like a ballerina to the front door. <laughs> Okay, hopes the neighbors aren't watching him be making a fool of himself. Yeah. As he approaches the front door, he sees the door is already six inches open. That's a little weird. Okay. As he presses the door open, he hears his wife screaming. As he enters the house, he sees a guy in a ski mask throwing his wife to the ground. What action does he take? Gentlemen, what would you do? Wes? <laughs> well, what wouldn't I do? I would, I would tackle the dude to the ground and get him. Uh, Beat the heck out of the yeah. dude. He knocks you to the ground and calls you wussy mama's boy and invites you to watch. What action do you take? Sweep his leg and pull his ski mask off and, and, and freaking punch tear his, head. his head off. What if you have to make him bleed? All the better. What if you have to kill him? whatever it takes yeah okay and what if he's bigger than you not hard to do I'm a little dude so what do you do if he's bigger than you you give up right no way man no way what happens to your brain when you register that he's bigger than you dude that that fight or flight kicks in you fight and your adrenaline you're like dude and all of a sudden that like that energy and power takes over and you also, dude, like, you're you to probably do. i'm probably looking for some help like a weapon or something around i mean I'm, oh yeah would you do yeah. what it takes to make sure she's safe yeah okay now notice what happened to your sex chemistry during the story huh. it's gone it's gone okay Gentlemen, when we become aware that our wives are in danger and we release warrior chemistry, any sexual dynamic that's taking place is now set aside because your brain chemistry is now shifted. And so when a man is drifting towards, now there is a significant difference between healthy sexual chemistry and deviant sexual chemistry. But either way, the chemistry is set aside in order to prioritize the protection And so what we do is we train men to become alert to the idea that instead of, we don't want to ruin a healthy sexual dynamic, but if the brain is drifting towards a deviant sexual dynamic, if we can attach through a Pavlovian connection that this is going to cause her pain similar to that story, we want the brain to trigger almost automatically, but it won't do it automatically. You have to train it to do it, to flip the switch into warrior chemistry protection mode so that it flushes out the deviant sex chemistry. And so now you're no longer stoned. So if you're sliding down to level one and you're sliding down to level two on the chemical scale and the level three starts or even before that, 
if you can have an alarm go off in your head, as Nephi suggested, awake, awake, and arise, and say, wait a minute, something's wrong here, something's wrong here. And then for me, I call it the play it through technique. All right, if I play through what's going to happen if I continue to tumble, and I end with the part where my wife is crying, don't end with the part where you lose the battle. End with the part where she's crying. Because... Sure, a guy can get away with a sexual misbehavior without destroying the world if he's just by himself. But if he's got a woman who relies on him, we now have damage that's being been caused. And so if I can remember that the only reason I messed up in the head right now is because the dark side wants me to make my wife cry. It's all about making the woman cry. Okay, make the man feel a little bit stupid, but make the woman cry, that's the goal. Okay? My warrior chemistry kicks in really fast as soon as I remember that the whole point of the attack is to make her cry. So now I can take him by the neck. And some of you might have heard the phrase, you will have power to crush his head. Mm -hmm. They could have softened that anytime when they've made changes in their last decade or two. But that phrase is still there. You will have power to crush his head. It's not a nice phrase because... Our leaders understand that we are dealing with an opponent who needs to be crushed, not just nudged. So warrior chemistry is attached to even that ceremony where we hear about crushing his head. (sighs) Maurice, dude. Is that not cool? That is so cool. And for those of you that that didn't, I don't know, you'll you'll eventually... (laughs) You'll understand. To our Latter-day Saint listeners that have aspirations to attend the temple. You'll, you'll hear that phrase and understand it one day. Yeah. Um, if you haven't already and to walk through that exercise with you, I mean, it's, it's amazing how, you know, we Spence and I've been part of the program for a little bit now and we were more, I wouldn't say we're hyper aware, but we're more aware than we were previously to our, our brain chemistry and what's going on and to have the excitement, the anticipation of a romantic evening, right? And have that switch over to, no, I am protecting my home and my family. To it's it's an it's an incredible exercise and yeah. one that yeah. And just even listening to it, my like just listening to it, my chemistry changed. Right, mm-hmm. like I really felt a shift. Yeah, I felt this this um, I don't know, this energy of okay. Go time, right? Well, most of the scientists that I was uh, trained by in the school, they refer to such uh, like talk therapy. When I realized if one was to define my therapeutic method, it's experiential psychology. Hmm. I try to give my clients the experience of a chemical shift instead of the discussion of a chemical shift. Right. And so I'll do this with just about any um, element, but for today's conversation, moving them from a sexual sensation to a protective sensation so that they can actually feel in their blood, Mm. in their body, the chemical shift, that's when they can start to remake it. Like, okay, I remember what it was like with Maurice. How do I do it myself? That can be the aha moment, right? The paradigm. And Mm -hmm. then how do I replicate that? How do I practice that? that? How do I box out down low? Good. Yeah. Oh wow. man, Maurice, this has been phenomenal. I think we probably could do this for like three years in a row. Just <laughs> listening to you, I could literally, like, this has been amazing. And I think for our listeners to, I mean, I guess my, my one thing I would say is what is the, if they are listening to this podcast and they're saying, okay, 
I need to get serious about this. You know, we've talked about obviously hitting up the, the website and, you know, emailing us or whatever, you know, but I mean, what, what steps can they take to get help? So one of the first things you want to do is, um, just allow yourself to be assessed, like get a hold of one of our team members, one of our clinicians or something, and just sit down and tell your story and where you're at. And in the same way that you would go to a doctor, like if you fear you might have cancer or something like that, just get the severity of the situation assessed. Yeah. Instead of trying to guess what you need, like, Hey, I might be dying of cancer. I think I'll take aspirin. Okay. <laughs> you know, get a thorough exam. So someone that we, that's trained. That some, knows yeah, what they're doing. Someone who actually knows what they're doing yep. and let them and yeah, well, they'll just want my money. Okay. We're not in it for the money. We're in it for your well-being. And so we have a standard at Life Changing Services to recommend the least expensive service that will actually provide you with the training that you need. Yeah. And so let us do an assessment, get a hold of one of our people, schedule an appointment, get an assessment done on how messed up your situation is, how messed up your brain is, how messed up your wife is from being hurt by all this stuff. And by messed up, I just mean like banged around. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then actually dedicate yourself to the services that are provided. Yeah. You know, for some people go read this book and that's enough for you and do a few homework assignments. Other people, you're going to need individual therapy, the men's marriage repair workshop, the um, couples therapy, yep. men of Moroni and a personal warrior trainer. Like serious, you know how much money that's going to cost what or you can pay for a divorce and child support. Which one do you want to work with? Dude, for real. And, and what is your life worth? Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. take a step back, say if I was, to, if I was to pay money to be, to be happy. What would I be willing to pay? I think what a lot of people that hear that might think, though, is, then they won't say this, but I, I think I've been there. It's, what's my third option, right? What's my alternative to addressing the issue head on or suffering consequences to be on my control or be on my control? And while we wait for that hmm. third alternative, the second is made for us, right? The The choice is made for us, and we're living reactive instead of proactive, and I can be yeah. patient with a guy who is premarital. Yeah. Like, dude, if you want to work the efficiency mechanism and keep thinking about what's the least amount of work I can do to get the best results, that's fine. But if you've chosen to add a woman to your life, if you have brought her into your world, your stewardship is more about her safety than your preference. Okay? 100%. If you've given children to this woman and she can is less capable of self-care than she's ever been because she has to take care of children. Your highest priority needs to be her psychological safety and making sure she's okay. So investing in making sure your brain works correctly is well worth the money. Okay. Mm. So get your efficiency mechanism, throw it in the garbage can (laughs) and demonstrate to the woman that you're married to that you will do whatever it takes to make sure that you function correctly and learn how to, how to interact with her in a way that she can feel like that's actually happening. Men, part of one of the side effects of having an addiction is hoping for easy results. Right. Click results, click results, click results. Yeah. And I think, and I've, before I started in the program, Reese, I recognized that looking back, I had that thought, okay, how can I just be done with this? Like when, when can I just be done? And then I don't have to think about it anymore. I don't have to worry about this anymore. Like I just want to be done. I don't want to do this anymore. 
So I'm going to, I want to, whatever. I know. They I don't I, have to worry about maintenance anymore right. either. Right. right. Yeah. But like, no, it's, we've, we've got to take necessary steps, hard steps, the right steps to get help. Yeah. And take care of it. And we, and, and for all of you listening, please, like, I just, oh man, speaking from someone that's been able to work through the program that Maurice has, has, uh, inspirationally built through, uh, you know, his personal experience and through the help of God, I really, um, I cannot tell you how different my life is right now than what it was before. And I am so, I am so thankful. I really am. Maurice. And I, um, I can't even describe the, the, uh, oh man. So I just, oh, just please get the help you need. Make that hard call. Send that hard email. Like do whatever it takes to get this thing fixed. Um, and I promise it'll be worth it. That's my, my thoughts. Yeah. Um, Joseph Campbell wrote a book called a hero with a thousand faces and he tracks kind of like the, the hero's journey, what he calls the mono myth. And one of the principles in there that every story follows is that the treasure that we seek lies within the cave that we most fear to enter. And I think that Spence, you, you spoke to that perfectly of that. The thing that we most fear to do is the thing that we need to do the most. Man, what an incredible evening here with Maurice Harker and just to sup at your feet and to hear what you're passionate about has been amazing. Some huge key takeaways from us of what warrior chemistry is, is it's not just getting juiced and crazy ready to go into battle. It is laser focused on what we care about. Yep. That There is an adrenaline component, sure, but it's channeled. It is bridled and it is... It's, it's practiced, right? It drilled, is, drilled, it's drilled, not drilled. rough. It is, this is something that has been developed over time and it's essential in our ability to tame our brain chemistry, to bring us back to our frontal lobe, to help us start to make decisions based on our values instead of on how we may be feeling in any weak moment. And how do we get it? Not easily. It doesn't come cheap. Because recovery and the good life doesn't come cheap, but it does come as we apply these principles of, of drilling these scenarios and, and practicing with those that we care about and celebrating our victories and identifying our, our failures and where we can pivot, what we need to do better and being dissatisfied with anything less than that success. Yeah. That is how we foster these things. And next week's going to be awesome. We're going to have uh, a fellow warrior in studio to talk to us about how he has found a way to foster warrior chemistry. Tell us some stories about how he's been able to do that. And also hear some stories again from Lane Hilton, one of our uh, clinicians here at Life Changing Services, yeah. about some experiences that he's seen in uh, combat scenarios and in other uh I guess, context in life. I know he's been part of SWAT teams and, and other things like that. So that's yeah. what's on the horizon. Yeah. Warrior chemistry is too, too important of a topic not to have another episode on yeah. it and to have other people's experiences from it. And Maurice nailed it. The science. So uh, you probably need to listen to this episode over and over and over again, because man, there's so many nuggets, beautiful, golden golden nuggets in there that was weird i don't know about about golden nuggets but it was just amazing so please listen to this again and i think um to finish us off maurice 
why why do you fight um every day about half of my therapy sessions are with crying women um and it reminds me of the work that needs to be done i could isolate myself to just the work with the men but it's the work i do with the women that keeps me motivated i fight to understand the concepts that will make a difference i fight to watch men be proud of themselves and to transition from where they're at of frustration and demoralization to heroic patriarchs that know how to preside, provide, and protect. And so um, at one time in my past, I feared inadequacy and, and uh, inability to make a difference. But when I discovered that when you align yourself with God and you let him do the same thing you did with David against Goliath and the same thing that you did with Moses against Pharaoh, that I don't have to be any special superpower. I fight because I'm allowed to be on the power team, the divine team. And I've watched the miracle of watching individuals come from psychological death and marriages come from psychological death, like Lazarus being raised from the grave. And because the joy and the thrill of watching people move from desperation to happiness, um, I have my sadness from my past, I have my errors from my past, and it may not be as noble as I, I fight because I love Jesus, who I do and I enjoy working well with, but I'm, I'm angry. I'm sad for the darkness and pain that the dark side brings in the world, and um, he messed with the wrong guy, um, and he messed with the wrong team of men. And so I will gather an army, and each one of us will specialize in our weapons and we'll make sure that he understands that we are the noble and great ones of this final generation and we will win this war. Don't mess with us. They messed with the wrong dude. He yeah. messed with the wrong dude. Uh, and I just, I guess we'll just end with Maurice. We are proud to be fighting with you in this. It's nice to have fellow warriors. We are proud. Uh, I mean, I just, I. Humbled and proud. Humbled. Yeah. yeah. To be a part of this and all of you listening, you are a part of this. Come join the ranks. Come join the ranks. Okay. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys, real quick. This is Spenny here. This is not part of the episode. Just a quick update. We mentioned that Instagram would be up and running uh, by this episode. And so it is. It's up there, but there's no content created yet. We've had some technical difficulties. So, uh, I mean, feel free to, you know, hit us up, but you won't see anything on there yet. So, yeah, just wanted to give you a little update there. Love you. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight.
one game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. <laughs>